the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. To people, someone like Martin Luther King will be classified as a weak-minded simpleton. But what's common with Martin Luther King and Abraham Lincoln? They both men of prayer. They prayed to God. They trusted God. They recognized the magnitude of their responsibility and had no choice but to depend on the most powerful weapon God made available to them, a crutch called prayer. Loved ones, expressing our helplessness to God in prayer is not a sign of weakness. It's a sign of trust. It's a sign of faith. Sooner or later, every person at some point in our lives will be crippled by circumstances, trials, and troubles emotionally, physically, spiritually, and at some point, we will need to pray. Maybe you're here this morning and you are in that place in your life where you have exhausted every option available to you. Let me say to you, humbly express your helplessness before God. You don't have to always be pumped up. You don't have to always say, okay, if I just think positively, this thing will happen. You don't have to exhaust all of your resources every time. At some point, we need to get on our knees and express to God, if you don't help me, I'm helpless. It's hard to accept. It's really hard to accept for a lot of people because we still have that idea that there are things that we can handle on our own. Jesus knows we're helpless. Peter understood it when he says, cast all your cares upon him. Now, there's a second sign that you and I are praying with trust, and that is not only do we express our helplessness, we also need to learn how to exchange our hope. Exchange our hope. Peter says, cast all your cares, all your anxieties, all your trials, all your problems, cast it on Jesus because he cares for you. What's going on in that statement? Very simply, he's doing a transfer of hope, okay? To understand this expression on him, we go back to our text. Jesus says, go into deeper waters and let down your nets. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. And here's the pivotal statement on Peter's part. He says, but because you say so, I will let down the nets. What was he doing? He looked at his situation. He's been fishing all night. He's been laboring all night. He tried everything. He's a professional fisherman, but he couldn't find any fish. And he heard Jesus says, go into the deeper water and put your nets over there. 
and at first Peter was hesitant, you know. He was, he was kind of rejecting that idea. And then he says, but because you say so, I will do what you say. And let me tell you something. We got to come to that point not only uh, to a place where we can recognize and express our own helplessness, but we need to hear the word of Christ. We need to hear what God is saying and put our hope in the Lord. You know, we sing a song here that Ben leads us into singing sometimes. Um, why so downcast? It's actually in the Psalms. Why so downcast, O oh my soul? Put your hope in God and bless the Lord all your soul. I mean, there's got to be a transfer of hope. We can't be looking at everywhere, you know, first before looking into God. You know, I heard a preacher once says, when all else fail, look to God. I think that's backwards. <laughs> okay. I mean, it sounds good at first. You say, you know, when all else fails, go to God. It's backwards. No. Before anything fails, look to God. All right. It is not a good thing to learn from our own experiences. It's legitimate for us to learn from our experiences, but it's better to learn from someone else's experiences, okay? And so when it comes to praying, we need to be able to know the Word of Christ and put our hope in what we know Jesus already says. There has to be a refocusing of our hope. Uh, you know, it's, it's easy for us, you know, when we're dealing with issues in life, uh, to somehow look at other things first, you know. Uh, look at our own resources, look at our own experiences, look at our own talents, look in our looking at our own knowledge of things. Those are all good, and they benefit us. But at some point, we need to hear what Jesus is saying in His Word and stop looking at the situation and start listening to the Word of Christ. Stop fishing for answers on shallow waters. Get deep into the Word of God. To pray trustingly is to exchange the focus of our hope and focus it on what we know to be the word of truth, which is the word of Christ. That's why I always say to people, when you pray, don't separate your prayer time with your Bible reading time. Don't separate prayer from scripture meditation or memorization, whatever. You know, if you only pray, you know, to say things to God or, or whatnot, I mean, that's great. But it's better as a discipline, as a spiritual discipline, to open the Bible or to listen to the Bible and pray while God is speaking to you. You know, listen to what God is saying and then speak back to God. I mean, that's a spiritual discipline that every Christian should really learn how to practice every day because we build our prayers on the word of Jesus. That's how we build our prayers. Not someone else's wor words, not on the situation, not on just cultural trends. It's easy to pray when you need to pray. But prayer is not just uh, a spontaneous thing that we do. I mean, we do pray sp spontaneously, but it's also a deliberate attempt to refocus our mind onto the Word of God. I mean, that's, that's what uh, praying is all about. You know what frustrates me? Uh, when I when I talk to a lot of a lot of Christians, when we minister to a lot 
a lot of Christians, is that they really don't trust the word of Christ. I mean, they get rattled by the problems that are facing them. And it's true, it's normal, you know, we're people. You know, we get rattled by the problems. But then again, to, to encourage themselves, what they do is try to look for some emotional anchor, you know. They look for a feeling of encouragement. They, they look to certain things rather than to look at the word of God, which is pure encouragement. Okay, y you know, they, they try to talk to people and people say, you know, don't worry about it. You know, you know, I've, uh, I've my uncle so-and-so, you know, he's gone through the same thing. And, you know, this is what he did and all of that stuff. And then you find encouragement with what other people are putting in your mind and what we're hearing. Now, those are all good things. We, we, we really appreciate them. But we go to what Jesus says. We go to the word of Christ. The, the danger of, of, of getting so emotionally um, uh, invested in, in, in praying without knowing, without focusing on what the word of Jesus, uh, in the word of Jesus, the danger of that is we ended up having a false sense of trust. You know, uh, we, 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 we want to get pumped up by some emotional word, by some uh, uh, encouraging word. Uh, and that's nothing wrong with that, but sometimes we can create a whole new brand of Christianity by the things that we hear that God never said. We invent our own way of Christianity, one that conforms to the culture or to the circumstances that we're in. You know, maybe this morning you've been seeking answers or looking for something that will satisfy your soul. Let me challenge you to refocus and exchange where you place your hope and put it on the word of Christ. Now I understand many of the things that scripture says, as human beings, we tend to say that's very difficult. It's nothing new. When Jesus was preaching all over the place, Jesus said to people, unless you drink the blood of the Son of Man or eat the flesh of the Son of Man, you have no part in Him. You'll not have eternal life. And people are saying, what are you talking about? Drink your blood and eat your flesh. This is a hard saying. Nobody can follow it. Nobody can believe it. And the Bible says a lot of people left and not followed him anymore. And then he went to his disciples and he says, what about you? What do you think? And Peter, again, Peter says, where are we going to go, Lord? You have the words of eternal life. That's trust. A lot of the things in scriptures are very difficult from a human standpoint. But from the standpoint of heaven, God says, that's the way. That's the truth. That's the life. If you walk in it, you will live. All right? As Christians, we get in trouble, don't we? We have certain stands as Christians. Number one, we believe in the sanctity of life. We believe in it. We believe that life happens Inside the mother's womb. Because God says, from your mother's womb I have created you. As Christians, we stand on that word. Okay? And so when someone says, well, you know, you, you know it's, a, it's a woman's right to terminate the pregnancy and all of that stuff. Red flags go up. Because the word of Christ supersedes whatever the circumstances are. No, that's difficult. I understand. We're not naive. We live in a fallen world and we struggle with these things. There's also certain things that we stand on. And that is, the Bible says in Matthew chapter 19, 
Jesus says, in the beginning, God created us male and female. And a man should leave his parents and be one with his wife. Those are the words of Christ. So when somebody says, let's reinvent what marriage is all about, red flags come up. Not because we hate people. Not because we're bigoted against people who want to prefer a different lifestyle. Not at all. Our goal is to proclaim to them what we know to be the truth. And truth to us is not a set of principles. Truth to us is not a, 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 a set of principles and ideas. Truth to us is a who. His name is Jesus. Heaven and earth will pass away, Jesus says, but my word will endure forever. Stop looking at circumstances. Look at the word of God. Look at the word of Christ. The fascinating thing about <laughs> Jesus is, um, was when he, uh, when he rose from the dead, you know, Jesus on resurrection day, I know this is not Easter, but on resurrection day, the funny thing about it is I was reading, reading up, you know, for Easter that's coming up. Um, I realized that when Jesus rose from the dead, he really didn't hide himself from his disciples. He actually showed up. It was his disciples who were hiding in the upper room, you know. When Jesus rose from the dead, Jesus made, you know, you know, he, he made no uh, uh, issue about him appearing to people. He appear, appeared to two disciples on the road to Emmaus. He appeared to Mary Magdalene. He appeared to, you know, to, to, to various people. But we find the disciples hiding. The point is, trusting in Jesus means trusting in his word. He's been saying to his disciples, I will die and in three days I will rise again. He's been dropping hints that he will, he will be crucified. That was his mission. He never made that a secret. Jesus never made it a secret. And yet when he was crucified, when he died, his disciples abandoned him and they started hiding in the upper room. And that's why Jesus says, I need to send you the Holy Spirit. And he who shall receive power when the Spirit has come upon you. We need to put our trust in the word of Christ. We need to get back to reading our Bibles. Reading it prayerfully. Okay? Now, you know, I get preachy when it comes to these things. Because what, what am I? I'm a small church pastor. It's, it's, it's what I am. My one responsibility is to proclaim the gospel to people. And what is the gospel? The gospel is the entirety of the word of God. If we don't hold on to what Jesus has already said, if we don't hold on to what we know are Jesus' words, we will lose the meaning of the things that we have learned. How many of you know words can change meaning over time, right? I mean, we know that. I mean, some of the terminologies today, when I hear young people talking about some things, I can't understand. It's like a different language. Several years ago, my, my, my own daughter, I, mean, I think I may have shared this before, you know, she was, she was looking at this, uh, uh, she was little then, she was looking at this skateboard. She loved it, and she told me, Dad, that skateboard is dope. <laughs> and I said to myself, in my day, 
Dope is something you smoke. <laughs> but today, dope means, ah, it's really great. It's wonderful. It's beautiful. So words can change. There's another story, you know, back in the 16th century, Sir, Sir Christopher Wren, architect and designer of the magnificent St. Paul's Cathedral in London, okay? He, he gave a tour to then Queen Anne after he completed the church. Queen Anne, the Queen of England, actually was given a tour by the architect. And the first three words that came out of Queen Anne's mouth were the words, Awful, artificial, amusing. After she saw the cathedral, she says, This is awful, artificial, and really amusing. And then the architect, Sir Christopher Wren, bowed down and says, Thank you, Your Majesty, for your very kind words. Try using those three words today. When somebody showed you something, try to tell them, It's awful. It's artificial. It's amusing. You're going to get a lot of flack because those words are not applicable today. What Queen Anne really meant when she said it's awful is that she was filled with awe at the beauty of the cathedral. When she said it's artificial, she was appreciating the art, the artistry of the design. And when she said it's amusing, she meant that she was really very happy about the result. Words change over time. So we need to hang on to what's true, what we know to be the words of Christ. So how do we change our hope? By accepting and obeying the word of Christ. Those are proofs that we trusting in him. Ian e. e. Bounds, who wrote a great deal about prayer, said these words, God doesn't see people in terms of color, creed, etc. In God's sight, there are only two kinds of people, those who trust him and those who don't. Those who trust him and those who don't. Which one are you? Are you trusting in the word of Christ? I'm not talking about denominations. I'm not talking about belonging to a group or a, a church denomination. Denominations are just labels. You know, when you ask people, are you, are you a follower of Jesus? And, you know, the first thing that comes to mind, oh, yeah, I'm a Presbyterian. I'm a Catholic. Oh, I'm a this and that. I mean, even some people say, well, you know, what are you? And they say, oh, I'm, I'm Orthodox. Oh, yeah? Spell that. They can't even spell it, and they identify themselves as that. The fact of the matter is, when we get to heaven, it's the word of truth that we will be accountable for. There are only two types of denominational person, right? When you say, oh, I'm a Catholic. There's only two types of Catholic, right? One will go to heaven, one will not. The question is, which one are you? Okay? That's the main question. There's a final uh, proof that we are praying trustingly and that is not only we, do we express our helplessness not only do we exchange our hope but finally when we pray we expect a harvest we expect a harvest cast all your cares 
all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. There's an expectation, an expectation of an answer. Jesus said to Peter, go cast your net. After you go deeper, put the net on the deeper part of the lake. I didn't get a catch. I fished all night long, Peter replied. But because you said so, I'm going to do it. And guess what happened? When he finally obeyed the word of Jesus, look at verse 6. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came filled and filled both boats boats so full that they began to sink when si when simon peter saw this he fell at jesus's knees and said go away from you from me lord for i am a sinful man he began to recognize right away the power of the word of christ now god answers our prayers not on the basis of our needs not on the basis of what we want not on the basis of our situation. He answers our prayer on the basis of our trust in His supernatural, overflowing grace and power. That's how He operates. Now listen to the word this morning. Prayer is planting seeds of trust into the very heart of God. That's what prayer really is. Every time we pray, we plant seeds of trust in the heart of God. God sees trust. If you want to plant something in the heart of God, plant seeds of trust. And we do this through the medium of prayer. Every time we express our helplessness, every time we exchange our hope, we are literally planting seeds of trust in the heart of God. And the more we plant trust in the heart of God, God will always, always give us a harvest. There's always a harvest associated with it. And we can express that harvest when we pray trustingly. The more we plant, the more we harvest. What is it that we're harvesting when we plant prayers of trust in the heart of God. We harvest righteousness. God does change us. He molds us. He transforms our heart. He gives us a new heart and a new mind. He, to he, he tunes us in. He gives us hope. He gives us power. It all comes from receiving the harvest. Jesus said to his disciples, Go and wait. What does he mean by wait? Pray. Go wait in Jerusalem. And I will give you the Holy Spirit. Wait for me. Wait for my promise. And the Bible says, while they were praying, the Holy Spirit descended upon them. There's always a harvest from God when we put our trust in God. Maybe you're listening this morning and you lack the joy. You need a harvest of joy in your life. Amen? I do. Don't we need a harvest of joy? Don't we need to be rejoicing in the Lord? Sometimes the Christians are the most joyless people I meet. You know, it's always like, always, you know. No, there should be, there should be joy 
in our hearts. There should be peace. There should be peace. You know, we're not exempt from trouble. Oh boy, we do know that, don't we? But we'll have a harvest of peace because we plant seeds of trust in the heart of God. And of course, righteousness. 2 Corinthians 9.10 says, He supplies seeds to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. And again in Ephesians 2.20, he says, 3.20, he says, Now to him who is able to immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. God promises that he will give us a harvest of all of the things that will make us joyful, peaceful, righteous. And when we have all of these things, we have power. Amen. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.